My name is George Simpson. I'm the operations manager for Rain City Housing, and uh, we are operating the Budsy. My name is Wanda Feltz. I'm an associate with NSDA Architects, and I was the project architect on this building. So we're standing outside, and uh, this site uh, has been redeveloped from a 24-unit uh, hotel that was here to a 147-unit uh, residence, for, uh, this providing supported housing for uh, women and women-led families. And most of the folks that live here have some challenges in their life, so uh, it, the building was sort of designed to um, address some of those challenges and help us provide that type of a service. It also has a component of an office for Rain City organizations, and there's also um, two, possibly three, commercial units that the city will lease out on the main floor. So there's a number of different components in it. In terms of the materials and and what we want to do, it's mostly brick and metal cladding because it's a kind of low maintenance, really durable material. Um, on the west side here. And on the south side, we have some sunshades over the windows. Um, within the units, they're fairly large. I think low, low sills provide quite a lot of light. Um, as you look up the right side of the west facade, you'll see the smaller windows for the uh, stair stairwell. Our office typically likes to have windows in there because it does help with lighting levels, but it just articulates the exterior as well. And if people have to be in there for cleaning or maintenance, there's natural light as well. In this particular district, the city is trying to um, develop a pedestrian way between the school and the waterfront. So there's a 10-foot setback here. So it's allowed us to have landscaping at the sidewalk and also another landscape buffer at the building here. Most of the materials, planting materials, have been chosen to be a bit more drought tolerant, which has been good this year. Um, they are, these beds are irrigated um, and are sort of on a timer and also on a sensor for when they need it. They've actually done very well through this hot, hot summer. And the, a lot of the plantings were also chosen uh, with uh, being bee-friendly. Um, we do have a hive in the building and uh, also uh, nearby, we, uh, so we're really interested in promoting healthy bees in the neighborhood. So um, at, and on hot days, the, the plants are just covered in insects and bees, so it's pretty neat. So uh, here we are in the lobby uh, of the uh, apartment building. It's quite a spacious lobby. There's a big reception desk, and uh, we always have staff here to welcome people in and to uh, deal with uh, guests and deliveries and all that sort of stuff. And there's also the manager's office uh, here in the lobby. Um, just to the left of me is uh, the family area and um, with the community kitchen and the playroom and um, lots of space for the family's library and television, stuff like that. Um, in terms of lighting for the building, uh, in the lobby here it's quite bright and it's a 24-hour-a-day area, so stuff, things are always on. Most of the amenity, common areas, service spaces, janitor's rooms, uh, staff laundry rooms are on uh, sensor, occupancy sensors, so those lights will power down if nobody's in them. Um, the other thing you might notice in here, the walls are covered with um, plastic laminate panels. We've been, as a firm, doing that in a lot of supportive housing, just in terms, again, of durability, of not having walls needing to be painted or patched, um, and just putting up something once and hardly have maintenance on it. So the finishes are fairly simple, but durable and hard-wearing. 
So we're just going out to the uh, uh, family courtyard that's on the main main level of the building. It's quite a large space with uh, plantings, with some uh, garden boxes for gardening. We actually have a children's gardening club going on already. Uh, there's also uh, a softscape playground. There's also a bunch of picnic tables, some nice Adirondack chairs, a uh, place for a barbecue. Um, uh, a large uh, set of panels on the east wall that uh, can be or destined to be painted into a nice mural to liven up the courtyard. So we're just going to take the elevator down to the basement and uh, look at some of the spaces down there. The whole building is um, controlled with card access, so uh, the tenants living here, their card uh, takes them where they need to go, so if they have a bike their card would open the bike room and it takes them just to their floor and maybe to the floor with an amenity room. So we're here in the, in the uh, basement. So some, some of the uh, features down here, there's a large garbage room with uh, uh, all our recycling. Um, we're also, of course, uh, participating with the city to reduce our, uh, or to separate our green waste. So there's lots of sorting that goes on, lots of recycling. We have a compactor for the trash that can't be recycled. And so that only gets picked up maybe every couple of weeks. Um, down here as well, we're standing outside um, some of the bike rooms. There's this uh, five bike rooms in the building. Uh, due to the nature of the tenants in the building, there's also uh, we're using these rooms to store things like uh, mobility uh, devices, like uh, carts and scooters and things like that. Yeah, so there's actually five residential bike rooms, right. uh, 124 spaces, but there's also a staff one, so there's eight spaces there, and there's also four spaces for the commercial tenants on the main floor in their back stairwell. As well down here, um, we have what we call our uh, bug sauna room that um, we use to cook um, belongings if they're suspected of having bed bugs in particular. And so this is a sort of a very non-invasive method of controlling pests and non-chemical solution and uh, it's pretty effective and labor intensive. So stepping out into the parkade, um, a lot of the lights down here only come on when there's uh, uh, people around, so often it's, it's a little bit dim and saving on power. These types of buildings, or this building in particular, um, was really pushing down the numbers of parking. Um, under a, just a typical C2 zoning of a building of this many units, we needed, um, I think it was 99 spaces. We actually have 28 spaces here because we're so close to transit here. There's buses on Powell Street, on Cordova, on Hastings. So there's a lot of alternate transportation available besides cars. We've also got six um, ve electric vehicle charging spaces in here. LEED is, is trying to push to have those kind of things available for alternate, non-gas-up-your-car kind of vehicles. So it's really, we've got really reduced numbers of parking spaces and lots of transit. In the um, northeast corner of the parkade, we have a large tanked area which collects the stormwater from the roof, the second floor patio, and the main courtyard area patio to just uh, hold the water and release it more slowly into the city storm system to not overload it. Hello. So now we're going to take the elevators up to the 10th floor and uh, we'll have a look into a unit there.
So we're standing in a bachelor unit, um, facing uh, the windows face west, and you can actually see all the way to the convention center. Uh, I see a big cruise ship and Stanley Park over there, so the, the views are just fantastic from up here. Um, so these rooms are, uh, the heat source is radiant in floor heating, uh, powered by high-efficiency boilers, so um, very uh, low-maintenance, very efficient way to heat the building. Um, the rooms aren't air, don't have air conditioning, but they do have uh, makeup air uh, that's uh, filtered as it's brought into the building with some uh, special filters. And um, so this allows for a really high level of air quality in the building. And that air as well is tempered. So it's, while it's not going to air condition the room, it's certainly going to have a, sl- a small cooling effect. So within the studio space, studio units, it is fairly small, but it's got a kitchen that's got a fridge and a stove and a range, a sink, lots of cabinets, um, an area for sort of an alcove for a bed, if that's where they choose to put it, um, table and chairs and a, and a chair to sit by the window. Windows are operable, again, on the sort of window wall of the unit, it's about half glazing, and as George said, there's on this particular west side looking one, amazing view of the city. In terms of um, plumbing fixtures that are low flow, I think there's about a 40% reduction in water use over a base building. And also in terms of the energy, um, energy modeling shows that we probably have a reduction about 35 to 37% below a base building energy usage. And that's through increased insulation, roof and walls, um, limited external shading, o- the occupancy sensors for lighting, the air-to-water heat pump on the roof, which is a really an efficient system, and high-efficiency condensing boilers. And just the equipment choices and, and variable speed drives and that have kind of made it a really lean system that has reduced energy usage. A base building in terms of energy modeling is building of the same size, same use, but... Um, inputting information on, on what's an allowable kind of code level of water usage and energy usage and that. So the type of equipment that's allowed will get you a base building. Bu- buildings for lead, you want to do better than that. So you want to kind of look at, okay, if uh, wall insulation was supposed to, is allowed to be 15, R15, we want to do R20. Or we just want to increase the things we can, and it's modeled like what is the effect of each of these. And sometimes you discard something that may look like, oh, that's actually going to be a better energy use, but it may be prohibitively costly, may actually not result in much of a savings. So you have to kind of look at, I think there's about 10 or 11 factors that were modeled about if we do this, what will happen, and you know, the 35% reduction in energy use through the through the whole year, it's probably going to be tens of thousands of dollars. It makes the operation of the building a lot more sustainable for this group. For Rain City, uh, operating costs are a critical factor. So um, part of our, uh, our involvement in the design and development and construction of the building was to make sure that um, down the line, the building could be operated for, for uh, as little money as possible. Um, and so we're hoping that that's what will happen. 
So we're just going into the 10th floor uh, amenity space. Um, I mentioned earlier that there was a sizable uh, space on the 6th floor with computers and, and the library. Up here there's a smaller, uh, cozier space, um, for, but also for the single residents to access. So in the 10th floor um, lounge space, just an example of, of just kind of the interior finishes, uh, materials were chosen for recycled content or recyclability and low VOC emissions. So in any of paints and adhesives, you know, we all had the material safety and data sheets required and specified things with low VOCs. The flooring throughout is linoleum type, so it's a completely natural product. The office area on the second floor of Rain City, they have carpet in there. It's carpet tile, so again, something that's easily changeable, repairable if need be, but it's something that's got high recycled content and completely recyclable if ever need, needs to go. And, you know, it's, it's again, simple materials, really kind of basic, solid, um, something that's going to last a long time and not give these guys worry, but it's still kind of comfortable place to be and be a nice home for lots of people. Uh, adjacent to the, this amenity space is a, a nice outdoor patio uh, with some uh, plant, garden planter boxes as well as some permanent plantings. Um, and we expect that the residents will be, uh, hopefully by next year, growing some fruits and vegetables out here. And it'll be a nice uh, place to be. So as well out here, um, there's, a, there's some picnic tables, some benches, some nice Adirondack chairs, um, all of which uh, came to us from TradeWorks. And TradeWorks uh, creates employment opportunities in the community and training for folks. So there's a bit of a closed circle around uh, everything that we do. So we're out here on the patio. Um, there's a great view to the south. We can actually see Burnaby from here. In front of us here, this is a storage shed for tables and chairs, I suppose. There's a barbecue hookup. And beyond that is one of the air um, to water heat pumps. There's two in this building, one on this level and one on the roof level um, to the west. And that's a really efficient system for the heating and cooling system. Essentially, um, the air that's, um, that the fans in the units and in the common spaces, the air that's extracted from the building is passed through a heat recovery system, which is actually a very, like maybe a two meter wide wheel that slowly rotates and it's, um, uh, it's made of uh, heat absorbing material. Um, that heat that's recovered from the exhaust is then um, used to preheat the water in the building for various uh, services, including the domestic hot water, so there's less um, you know, external energy needed to, to run the building, basically. So we're, um, we're using the heat generated in the building to, um, reduce. Uh, to reduce our footprint. Yeah. So the HVAC system in the building is all uh, connected together in a network and uh, that network is then uh, able to be remotely monitored uh, by an HVAC company uh, for troubleshooting. So uh, often uh, a problem can be identified and, and they can advise us over the telephone about what we can do and often that will prevent uh, a need for a, a vehicle tra trip to the building by the company. With this program, the Provincial Homelessness Initiative, I think that has really pushed 
the quality of these these types of buildings, supportive housing, where it's not about let's get something up really inexpensively and house people. These are built with the intention that they are durable and capital costs are put in to like make sure that there's operating costs are down. And there's been lots of lessons learned about, you know, what systems to use. So all the systems, you know, have really already been proven on other other sites. So I think just the body of knowledge that this particular program through the city and BC Housing and, and provincial government and all these nonprofit groups has really built up this body of knowledge through the design community and the consultants. So I think that going forward, that's a really great legacy for other design. But in terms of, of just this particular building compared to something from 10 or 15 years ago, just leaps and bounds beyond in terms of energy use. And so the thinking has changed, I think, about what, what's good value for money. Yeah, I think um, from our, an operator's perspective, a lot of the features, such as the rating and floor heating, um, really work well for the population we're serving here even though the back end is obviously quite complex and modern the experience for the user is very it's very easy to interface with the building um, you know they have one key card that gets them everywhere the heat the room is always a comfortable temperature they don't have to worry about that um, there are um, zone control so that the tenant does have the ability to, to change the temperature in their room but within a limited range so um, we expect that from a, a maintenance and operating perspective this building is going to um, really be somewhat easy to deal with compared to something um, you know Rain City has some buildings that were built in the 80s and, or even we have some old hotels that were built in like 1900 and so clearly um, this is you know a different world altogether and uh, really exciting for us to to get to to be part of.